1: Sports Talk Mississippi, ah. on your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Ah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Tuesday afternoon, Richard Cross. Michael Borky out again today. So we got Will East in for him, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us. The show streaming live online at supertalk.fm. So if you get to a point where you can't be by the radio but you're sitting at your desk, maybe at work, you can uh, stream it there. And, of course, on the Super Talk live app. If you miss anything, you can always go back and listen to the show in podcast form or on demand at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. I told Will just a a couple of minutes ago, It was kind of working on putting the show together and trying to kind of figure out what direction we would go. And it was like, well, there's some stuff here and some stuff there. And then, boom, about an hour and a half ago, two or three really big stories pop up. Um, Two really big kind of national stories and then one, Uh, I don't know if it's a story, just kind of a release and gives you a a little bit of an idea of what is coming up. So Vanderbilt Athletics Director Malcolm Turner has technically resigned. I think Vanderbilt is probably being kind and allowing uh, Malcolm Turner. Did I say David Turner? Malcolm Turner is what I meant. said Malcolm. Okay, I got it right then. Uh, Being nice and letting him say he's stepping down, uh, he was shown the door and Teresa Walker from the Associated Press based in Nashville will join us a little later this afternoon trying to try and get a little bit more understanding of what was going on in Vanderbilt. I will tell you this. Hey, Dad, I've I've been on kind of... Uh, it's like the Vanderbilt train as, as far as television stuff goes. Uh, yeah. I've had them four times already this year, and I think I've got them four more in the next six weeks. So eight Vanderbilt games. I've been around Nashville and that program, and there's been a weird vibe around that program Uh, in talking with Jerry Stackhouse uh, Malcolm Turner when he was hired it was a little curious because he had no college athletics director experience Uh, he had been a professional sports guy been the president of the G League You know, he comes in, he fires Bryce Drew, he hires Jerry Stackhouse who had won a championship in the G League a couple of years ago obviously there was a relationship there Um, we'll see how that's going to go long term or how long term it goes but he also extended Derek Mason and that's not what Vanderbilt fans wanted from a football standpoint but gave kind of a, a glowing recommendation there so a little bit of tumult on West End trying to figure out where Vandy is headed going forward
0: I saw something today that when uh was it David Williams was the previous athletic director yes. left behind a 17 million dollar rainy day fund and it is gone. There
2: was—I uh, don't know that How? I've seen this particular reference, but uh, have had people say, "Spending money like a drunken sailor." Um,
0: well, they are the Commodores, indeed, indeed. So uh, perhaps that is—that's uh, fitting. Sounds like a fun activity. What? Spending money like a drunken sailor,
3: blowing seventeen million dollars in the course of a year. I could do it if you asked me to.
0: Yeah, I—I uh, I understand. I could do it in a month if I tried. Yeah, it all, I was yeah. about to say, try a week, buddy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that would be impressive to spend seventeen million in a week. If it didn't include like massive real estate transactions or buying a plane or something like that. Yeah, like just the, frivolously spending like, seventeen
0: million dollars in seven like days, like the Brewster's Million thing. You, you have to spend the money, and you can't have anything left over at the end of it. Can you have things? If you, if I recall that movie correctly, he couldn't have anything. He had to be. Penniless and destitute again at the end of it. I think that's a good
2: point. There you go. You get the exact same reference on the C Spire text line. Six oh one eight seven nine four three nine five. He was pulling a Brewster's millions. There you go.
0: What was the premise there? That he was supposed to give money away? he had to give it all away. It was you. He gave, I don't remember the numbers, but he inherited a certain amount. He had to give it all away in thirty days, and then if he did that, he got a much larger amount that he could keep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so
2: that story's happening. Also, you got the news that on the eve of the February edition of National Signing Day, Mark Antonio is stepping down as head coach. You read the statement and he says, you know, just uh, my family's had to sacrifice and it's time for me to put my family first and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Timing a little curious in that, again, National Signing Day is tomorrow. And beyond National Signing Day being tomorrow, a couple of weeks ago he received a $4.3 million retention bonus because he was still on staff. And, oh, by the way, yesterday there was a lawsuit that came out detailing NCAA violations. Or as part of an ongoing lawsuit, but uh, some more information became public. Kind of a yucky situation and has felt for a while like Michigan State was at a spot where they needed to press reset with their football program and their football coach. I just don't know that February 4th is the time that you're really excited about having to
0: press the reset button. The day before signing day, no big deal. Not like that's, you know, important. Yeah. I hope the D.C. You know, you know, first signing period was good to Michigan State. You know that happened in this state many, many years ago, right? Yeah. Do you do? Wait, say that again? You know that happened in this state many, many years ago. The day before National Signing Day? Mississippi State fired Coach Paul Davis after the 66 season on Signing Day. Really? Yeah, and... uh what happened with oh, the they, class ranking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking at the 24 dot-com rankings here. But as you can imagine, Mississippi State was in disarray for years after that. It took until Bob Tyler came in, until they uh, they yeah. were they were back to the, any kind of winning ways. Tom says on Brewster's Millions, he had to spend
2: $30 million in 30 days and have nothing to show for it. If he pulled that off, he got $300 million.
0: There you go. There you go.
2: Give it a shot, man. I don't know if we can pull it off or not, but uh, certainly we give it a shot.
0: I'm willing I mean, to try. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it feel like charitable donations would be the easy way to go about doing well, that? Well, as, as Chris from Oxford says, he could only give away 10%. He had to spend the rest but have nothing to show for it. That's something a weekend in Vegas couldn't cure, though. <laughs> Just make the wrong bets. <laughs> you know? He's saying that he could only gamble five percent of it away.
2: Oh well then see yeah, there's more issues then, yeah. So fifteen percent of the thirty million could be uh, could come from charitable donations and gambling. I gotta go back and watch that movie. It's been a really long time.
0: Did he pull it off? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. me spoiler, spoiler alert advice. You know what? That movie came out like 1982, (laughs) man. If you haven't seen it yet, that's not on us. Mississippi State has a basketball game
2: tonight. They will take on the Kentucky Wildcats at Rupp Arena. So that will uh, will be fun. Uh, Bill Bender. He does. He does
0: get the money. So, yeah. Very good.
2: Phil Bender will join us uh, coming up in about 20 minutes or so. We'll try and get a little more understanding as to what's happening in East Lansing with the uh, Michigan State gig. And as I mentioned, Teresa Walker from the AP will join us in the 4 o'clock hour to uh, talk a little bit more about Vanderbilt. Four games happening tonight in terms of basketball in the SEC. Auburn at Arkansas. That one feels like it could be entertaining. It's at 6 o'clock on SEC Network. Tennessee is at Alabama. That's at 6 on ESPNU. Mississippi State at Kentucky, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN, and Missouri at Texas A&M. Uh, no word as to whether or not they will pay you to actually watch that game, but it will be on television in the event that you are uh, so inclined. Mississippi State at Kentucky could be a lot of fun.
0: Should be a really good game. You know, two NCAA t- tournament teams, as it sits right now, Two, the two, what, best post players in the league with Perry and Richards? Mm-hmm. Um, State's playing really well. Ten- Our Kentucky coming off of a loss, they'll want to get back on track. Yeah, it's everything's on 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 paper. There It looks like a great game. Yeah, uh, I think that one could
2: be uh, could be a lot of fun. Will this be the biggest? I mean, you, do you feel like you're going to get
0: kind of a Nick Richards against Reggie Perry matchup inside? Well, don't ask Ben Hallen about that. He'll get mad at you. But uh that said, yes, that? I do believe. I asked him about it, and he said, "Yeah, that's something the media creates. They're not thinking about that." And, uh, but yeah, I do think that's that's. Wait, the matchup you you mean in
2: terms of like candidates for SEC Player of the Year type
0: deal? I asked him. I said, if you know, when a great player is going up against another great player, is there ever like a little extra motivation or anything like that? And that he did not agree with me. Oh, wonder why? I don't know, but you can see his answer at uh, Sports Talk Mississippi's Twitter feed. I periscope the press conference, and you can judge for yourself.
2: Yeah, no, I, but but you you get why I'm
0: asking the question because no, I, you know, I, yeah. typically you you would. I mean, think i supposed to believe that when Kobe was playing LeBron, he didn't you know have a little extra juice. No, come on.
2: I would think if you're a competitor, you really get excited about that type of matchup. I, I would agree. Hm. Hence why I asked the question. There you go. Ben Hallen thought you were a moron.
0: Yeah, it's not the first time
2: sports talk Mississippi just getting uh, just getting started with you this afternoon let's dive into uh, into these big stories and kind of uh, start to peel back the layers of the onion a little bit on uh, on Vanderbilt on Michigan State on this basketball game tonight with Kentucky and Mississippi State and more it is sports talk Mississippi we'll take a quick timeout and be right back.
1: To Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app. Supertalk.fm. And always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station.
2: Horse Talk Mississippi with you. I can't help but ask this question right now. I know I said we'd jump into some of those big stories, but I was really fascinated by the uh, the question from Lynn in Pontotoc. And I'm trying to kind of think my way through it, and I think that's the reason that it stuck with me. So here was the question, Dad, Is it yeah. crazy to think that Mississippi State now has the best quarterback and running back in the SEC? Again, that's from Lynn in Pontotoc.
0: I think you may have you been were out the day we we talked about this one one day a few weeks ago when the Costello name first popped up, and you know just on paper I mean this is the guy who was the leading returning rusher in the SEC for the regular season, and you've got a quarterback who's thrown for over six thousand career yards, so that's going to be more than anybody else has uh, in the SEC right now. Maybe Kellen Mond is close. I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't I don't know off the top of my head who Texas A and M's running back is. I mean. There, there's a well, legitimate argument. They
2: had huge running back issues this
0: year, and then ended yeah. up the
2: the season with like two or three guys transferring out and a player injured.
0: So just on paper, you can make a very strong argument that yes, Mississippi State does have the best QB running back one-two punch in the conference. I'm trying to think what
2: the what the other candidates would be. So Kyle Trask, but Michael P Ryan is gone. Mm-hmm. So kind of a new
0: starter there. Bo Nix and Boobie Whitlow would be a good combination. Yeah, I, I, and I'm but not Bo down Nix on certainly Jones. has not proved what KJ Costello has proved at this point, and the same with Mac Jones, who I think is a good quarterback, and N- Najee Harris is a is a great running back. But it's, it's just yeah, yeah, it yeah looks that, good that combination
2: would would certainly be in the conversation. Um, yeah. You know, at Ole Miss, you're talking about multiple running backs, but you don't know who the quarterback's going to be, right? At Arkansas, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be,
3: right? That Boyd kid is pretty good, though. He's just been on. Raheem Boyd is
0: very good. Yes, yeah,
3: yeah. Didn't Arkansas? So uh,
2: wait, who was the transfer quarterback that Arkansas ended up with? Felipe Franks. That's exactly right. So Felipe Franks, Raheem Boyd. That's a good one. South Carolina, you're talking about Holinsky and. Wasn't Rico Dowdle a senior?
0: I believe so, yeah. Should have been. Gosh, he's been there forever. <laughs> certainly feels that way. His tenure.
2: Um Jamie Newman at Georgia and whoever Georgia runs out as running back certainly would be in the conversation. But again, you're talking about a
0: transfer quarterback. Yeah, Newman. Probably Zamir White would be the, the guy there, I guess. Probably so. Although, you know, a five star
2: running back stepping on campus at Georgia and uh, being pretty good out of the gate is not unheard of. Yeah.
3: Could have been Zachary Evans.
2: Could have been. Rise Above Hate. Appears as if that is not going to be
0: the case. <laughs> I didn't see is that guy chilled video? out
3: on the uh, interweb yet. I have no idea.
0: No, I he have... released a video today. I haven't seen it yet, though. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet, I should say. I, I saw that he did it
2: keep thinking on that but uh i think there's something to what you're uh, what you're saying Lynn. really do proven quarterback not proven in the sec but proven in the pac-12 so at a power five conference nearly 50 touchdown passes in his career just shy of 20 interceptions i think it's 48 mm-hmm. and 19 40, i got
0: yet yeah, you're almost there 49 and 18 49 and 18 mm-hmm
2: yeah Uh, Best season was uh, 2018, so in his second year, K.J. Costello completed 65% of his passes, 3,540 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And uh, this past season was limited due to injuries. Threw for 1,000 yards and change, six TDs, and three picks on the year for Costello. Um... So yeah, that, that's um, I appreciate that coming up, and and like I said, or like you said, hey Dad, you guys may have talked about that a while back, and I missed it. Um, fascinating stuff. Yeah. All right. So Vanderbilt athletic director Malcolm Turner technically resigned earlier today after one year at the school. He was officially hired February first of last year, came to Vanderbilt from the NBA G League where he served as president for a little over four years. Vanderbilt has named their deputy athletic director Candace Lee, who is a former women's basketball captain and had been an administrator at the school, as their interim athletics director. She is Vanderbilt's first female athletics director and the first black woman to lead an SEC athletics department. In a prepared statement, Turner cited, quote, certain family commitments and, quote, new opportunities as reasons for his resignation. Sources have said that Vanderbilt's financial approach and spending under Turner, who was a first-time college athletic director, escalated tension in recent weeks that led to today's split. Think about what he pulled off in a year. Turner fired Bryce Drew, hired Jerry Stackhouse, and retained Derek Mason after a disappointing 2019 football season and famously said the focus had to be on building greater infrastructure for the program. Vanderbilt Pro- uh, provost and interim chancellor Susan Winty said Candace is a trailblazer, her unparalleled work ethic, energy and vision and steadfast commitment to the Commodore family will only build on our momentum i got to be honest, and this is not intended to be uh, a shot at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. I don't know that there is any momentum outside of with the baseball program there. And it feels like the baseball program is in a spot where you better just leave it the heck alone and let Tim Corbin do his thing because what he's doing is working exceptionally well. And, you know, they talk about whatever advantages they've got, blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is Vanderbilt has won two baseball national championships in less than a decade. And it is absolutely one of a handful of elite college baseball programs in the country. So leave them alone. The, the challenges to being the leader of the athletics department are enormous. You're talking about a small enrollment, strict academic standards, And despite what David Williams claimed as he was leaving Vanderbilt, rest his soul, I don't want to say that this was a lie, but him trying to dispel the notion that there were... Okay, let me back up. I'm not saying this clearly. There had been reports and people talking about the fact that Vanderbilt was limited in what it could do from a fundraising standpoint, because the university's fundraising arm did not allow the athletics fundraising arm to actively seek donations, uh, especially from existing academic donors. And on his way out, David Williams said, that's not true. That's not true. We we can do anything. I've never been told I can't go after a specific donor, whatever. I've talked to people at Vanderbilt that said that is complete and utter BS. There were limitations in place, and there were absolutely um, restrictions on what Vanderbilt's athletic fundraising arm could do in terms of trying to grow that side of the department or that part of the university. So it's a job that's got its challenges for a lot of reasons.
0: Is it an attractive job? It's, It's yes and no. You know, it's it, it's an SEC school. You got a large endowment. You should have money to work with. Most of your pure sports are, are competitive. I mean, men's basketball. I I feel will eventually get back to being competitive again. Mm-hmm. But you do have the uh, the problem that you know you don't have football carrying you the way it does everywhere else. Now you're certainly getting the money from the SEC network and everything, but there's not a whole lot beyond that for Vanderbilt. So I think it's an attractive job, but I wouldn't say it's it's you know a 10 out of 10 by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Rippy, do you think it's an attractive job? Vanderbilt?
0: Yeah. The
2: AD job.
3: It's an SEC AD job, sure.
2: But with all the limitations that are in place, whether whether they are artificial
3: or real. I guess from the aspect if you hire good people, it'll probably get noticed more.
0: Yeah.
2: I think it's a spot where it could be a good job if the university allows the athletics department to function the way the other 13 athletics departments function in the league. You've got to be allowed to go out and raise money. You, you've got to allow an athletics director to come in and sell a vision for a new football stadium and go raise money to build a new football stadium and make it attractive. I don't think there's any reason you couldn't do that given the the booming crazy booming economy in nashville that doesn't seem like it's crazy and it certainly doesn't seem like too much to ask but if you couldn't get that assurance going into that job and feels like you're just going into it with two hands tied behind your back
1: back to the sports this is sports talk mississippi sounds good Talk, Mississippi.
3: Farm Bureau phone
2: line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. We're joined now by Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He lives in Big Ten country, and so I uh, immediately thought, hey, let's see if we can visit with Bill today and get a little reaction uh, in, if not real time, within just uh, a couple of hours on uh, Mike D'Antonio out as the head football coach at Michigan State. And curious timing, to, uh, to say the least. I, I don't know that February 4th uh, is the time that is ideal on the eve of the second national signing period, Bill, to be looking for a new head football coach.
4: Now the timing is certainly abrupt, and obviously, uh, you know this is a program that has been a little bit on the downslide since making the college football playoff in 2015. I mean, you know, you look at their back-to-back seven and six seasons, 500 record, in the Big Ten play. D'Antonio is getting up there in age too. Now, I think the good news, and you're seeing this all over the place, is the ideal replacement is out there. I think they've really got to make a push to go get Luke Fickle now.
2: Luke Fickle at Cincinnati spent a year as the uh, the interim head coach um, at Ohio State and kept things together, and then stayed on staff for a while. Has done a really good job at Cincinnati. Is this a job that you think he would be interested in?
4: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a step up from Cincinnati. It's a Big Ten job. I mean, Ohio State's probably never going fi- to hire Luke Fickle again. I mean, in terms of being the head coach, because that's a huge job, but. I mean, it's, he checks the same boxes that D'Antonio did when he got there. You know, D'Antonio was a former Ohio State defense coordinator. D'Antonio was a former Cincinnati coach. And D'Antonio was a guy that kind of built that program around the, the angst towards Michigan. You know, he finished 8-5 against Michigan. So, Fickle understands all those things, too. I mean, he had the back-and-forth with Har- Harbaugh last year over a transfer. So, you know, it, it'd be second nature for him just to step right into that rivalry, and I think he will.
2: All right. A couple of pieces of this story that have come out are a couple of weeks ago he got a retention bonus north of four million dollars. How much did that play into the timing of this?
4: Smart on his part, if that's what he's. No gonna kidding. Do. I mean, if you're good, yeah, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to leave a job, I'm going to go leave and take four million dollars on the way out the door. I wish I could do that at Sporting News. Don't tell them. I hope they're not listening. But uh, yeah, I, you know, part of that is there, and then part of it, you know, there's a story out right now that. Uh, court documents from Curtis Blackwell are alleging that you know, D'Antonio committed some NCAA violations. So I'm sure that's the next stage. I don't know if the two are together. I uh, will continue to watch it and monitor that and see if, uh, if that is the case.
2: I mean, it's hard to just think it's coincidence that the news of this, uh, the allegations in the, the court case coming out, I guess, yesterday, early today, and his retirement announcement happening today. I mean, it's hard to not think that those two things are related, isn't it?
4: Well, that you know, well, I had a source tell me in November that you know this was looking like the end, so I was honestly expecting this at the beginning of the coaching carousel, you know, and it made sense. So, I mean, to hold on and you know, whatever the reasons for that are, um, it is peculiar. Um, and again, it's for Michigan State. It's going to be an interesting thing because, as I pointed out, Mark D'Antonio had a 17 and 17 record against Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but Michigan State before that wasn't going 500 against three other powerhouses in the Big Ten East. And clearly those three programs are in a better spot right now than Michigan State is. So that next coach faces those same challenges. I I don't know that anybody handled it better over a long period of time at that particular program than Mark D'Antonio. It really would be like Mississippi uh, or Mississippi State being – a legit SEC West contender for 13 years.
2: Yeah, I mean, when, when you talk about 17 and 17, so you're you're talking about over the course of 11 seasons. And I mean, if you're doing the equivalency comparison here, Ole Miss or Mississippi State going 17 and 17 against LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. Yeah,
4: you take that, wouldn't you? I mean, it, it, it is very similar. Build comparison. the statue. <laughs> yeah. And they probably would with D'Antonio, but there are some complications, obviously, with the Title IX investigation a few years ago and some other things there. But, I mean, again, he'll retire with an 8-5 and five record against Michigan. Now, Jim Harbaugh did kind of wrestle control of the rivalry back. Um, you know, he'll finish with a 3-2 and two head-to-head record against D'Antonio, but I don't think people remember the Michigan win so much as they remember the pump fumble, which is uh, one of the most... Indel- and that was another thing D'Antonio did, Richard. He, uh, you know, they... they won a game against Wisconsin on a Hail Mary. They beat Notre Dame on a fake field goal. They beat Michigan on probably the short list of craziest plays of all time. So I think those are some of the things that Spartan fans will remember more than um, you know, the last two to three years. Where they did, let's be honest, they slid back into the back half of the Big Ten East.
2: Yeah. Do you think this was Mark D'Antonio's decision or his decision entirely? Or do you think that the university administration kind of pushed that it was time?
4: Yeah, it might be both. And maybe they, they've figured this is the window to get Luke Fickle or you know, another candidate. Fickle's by far the best candidate, as I already mentioned. But, uh, you know, and, and again, it's just the timing with, with signing day coming tomorrow. I can't believe this is the thing that we're looking at. I mean, obviously, signing day is a little bit different now, as most teams have. Their classes wrapped up now. A couple guys might come and go tomorrow, but I, I think, to me, the timing isn't that big of a deal. Con, con, uh, juxtaposed against signing day, more so that you know some teams are starting their winter workouts and those kind of things, and you want to have some continuity moving into 2020.
0: Hey, Bill, it's Brian. Hey, Dad. Real quick, wanted to get your thoughts on KJ Costello. You know, makes his announcement. That he's coming to Mississippi State. Do you, do you like the fit for him in the Mike Leach offense?
4: I don't know how it'll fit in Mike Leach's offense, but I know in terms of what he did at Stanford, which was a much different offense. He won some games, highly recruited quarterback, uh, battled some injuries last year, but team leader, team captain, those kind of things, played in big games too. So, I, I think sometimes for a new coach to bring a system in, it, it, a transfer quarterback can work because you know you're you're trying something new. It's good to have experience at that position, and they're going to get that with K.J. Costello. I think he'll win some football games there. And now, obviously, if you're a quarterback there, if you want to have fun and play quarterback, there is isn't much better system to do that than uh, Mike Leach, what he has at Washington State and what he's bringing to Mississippi State.
2: There's got to be an angle, too, about having... I mean, this is like a stereotype about Stanford, but they don't recruit dummies to Stanford. So having a guy that... Pretty high level of intelligence to go along with the production that he's have to come in and learn a new offense and be ready to roll with it in a short period of time. Would that factor in at all in your mind?
4: Um, yeah, absolutely. And having a quarterback that with this transfer portal, he gets one more opportunity. Maybe his time at Stanford was up, and you know David Shaw was going to go a different direction. and, And here you go, you step into a situation where. Not only does K.J. Costello get to play in that offense, but it's playing against the best competition possible in the SEC West. So he's going to see really good defenses. They're going to sink or swim with that. I mean, I think we all know there are going to be some ups and downs. It isn't going to be a perfect transition. But for him, if he plays well and shows out, I mean, Washington State has a couple quarterbacks in the NFL that, that saw time last year. who yep. became a sensation, and Luke Falk. So... I think
5: that it's not a
2: bad time to to play in that system. Bill, there's like a, a renewed sense of urgency from the Big Ten around the one time transfer exemption. This story kind of popped up a year ago, but basically the NCAA said, go away. We don't want to talk about this right now. They put a moratorium on that discussion, you know, transfer legislation a year ago. It's back, and it sounds like the entire Big Ten or at least most of the Big Ten, and its leadership is supporting this. Is this going to get, gain some traction? Or are we headed toward one free transfer exemption?
4: I think we'll get there eventually. I don't know how quickly. But uh, Big Ten's taking the lead on that. Dennis Dodd did a nice job reporting that last week. And I think they should do it. I mean, I'm all in favor of it just because the way I would do it is, yeah, you transfer once, whether it's a graduate transfer or a regular transfer, uh whatever other kind of transfer you can be, uh, medical, hardship, labor, whatever. And and then if it were me, I would make it virtually impossible to get that second one, you know, unless it's extreme special circumstances. Because that way it ensures that they. if you're going to use your one transfer, you do it wisely. I think we live in a different time now where, you know, athletes are there for three years
5: and, and you want to get the most
4: out of your time there, and at the same time, Everybody wants some raising. Yeah, I think it's a fair compromise. And I would say, NCA. I don't know if it'll happen overnight, but I think that's something that's going to happen sooner rather than
2: later. Do you think that ultimately you could, could do what you're saying? Look, you get one freebie, use it wisely. There is no exception to the rule on a second transfer. We'll let you be on scholarship if you transfer a second time, but there is no path to immediate eligibility on a second transfer.
4: I think that's the way to do it just because again people that are worried about everybody's going to transfer if you get one free one I think it would actually encourage student-athletes to use that transfer wisely so to speak if you've got one free one you're going to use it it's, it's not like golf where I might take more than one mulligan occasionally I guess uh, but on the uh, on the NCAA front yes yeah, you have one I, I think it would encourage athletes to be smarter about their decisions both where they go to school when they go to school and uh, if they decide to change schools.
2: A lot happening on February 4th. I'm not sure at lunchtime we realized that was going to be the case today, but uh, it's turned into a busy afternoon. Bill, really appreciate uh, your time. We'll catch you soon, my friend.
4: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on.
2: That's uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We will be right back.
1: What the heck are you doing sports talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game sports talk Mississippi
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Bork, he's out. Got Will East in for him. Brian Scott Rippey and Brian Haydad. Baseball news. We are getting close, by the way. Ten days until opening day. And we are virtually guaranteed weather just like yesterday for opening day. Right, Rippey?
3: That's what I hear.
2: Yeah. The uh, long-range forecast? I'll give it to you. 10 days from, uh, right, well, goodness, that's not where I want to look. Sorry, currently raining in Oxford. Um, February 14th, 56 in showers. Let's do it. Uh Oh. Boo to that. Boo to a forecast that has eight consecutive days of 50% or more shower Mm -hmm. boo to that. It's baseball season almost. And we know it's baseball season because today ESPN released its television schedule
0: for baseball. Did you see this earlier today, Hayden? I I, I saw that it was released. I haven't seen what it says, though.
2: Alrighty. So if you are a fan of Ole Miss or of Mississippi State, listen up. Bulldogs. Now, obviously, every game is... Every home game and every conference game is available in some form or fashion for you to watch. It may just be that you've got to watch it on you know, SEC Network+. Plus, in terms of television, like actual linear television, first game that Mississippi State has on TV, March 14th, against Arkansas, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. March 20th and 22nd at LSU. Is that a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series? I don't have the calendar side by side with these dates.
0: Why don't we Why don't we have desk calendars anymore? Those things need to be. What did you say the date was? The twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second. No, that's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
2: All right, so Friday night and Sunday, Mississippi State series with LSU, both SEC network. April 5th at Auburn, SEC Network. April 11th against Ole Miss, 3 o'clock on the SEC Network. April 16th at South Carolina, that's an ESPNU game. Hey, good news for the Governor's Cup this year, got it back on television. Hey, So 6 o'clock, Mississippi State and Ole Miss in Pearl, on SEC Network. And then you go to May 9th and 10th. I think that's next to last weekend of the regular season. Two games against Missouri. Yeah. Once again, the final weekend of the regular season is just completely up for grabs. So they're going to decide television based on what's compelling at that point. So I, those won't, be are the, surprised.
0: Yeah. I won't be surprised if Mississippi State Vanderbilt is part of what's compelling at that point in the season.
2: Yeah, feels like that might matter. Right, yeah. in, sure. in Nashville uh, so that's Mississippi State's TV slate here's Ole Miss um, series opener between Ole Miss and Texas A&M the Saturday games against South Carolina and Mississippi State we mentioned that a second ago or at least the Mississippi State piece of it the series finale against Florida will be on ESPNU May 9th, Ole Miss will host Auburn at 8 o'clock Central Time on a Saturday night in Oxford. That could be fun. A little late night start. And Governor's Cup, we mentioned. Also, Ole Miss's midweek game against North Alabama.
3: Revenge game.
2: <laughs> Revenge game, indeed. Uh, 2020 slate for Ole Miss features 32. 32- Games against teams that qualified for the NCAA tournament last year. Sixteen games against teams that went to the College World Series last year.
3: Yeah, I I guess one note that stuck out from this it's. Let me make sure I have this right. Yeah, so Ole Miss is one of nine schools uh, that were preseason ranked. Right, and. Obviously, not including themselves, all the other eight they play.
2: Yeah, one of nine ranked in the preseason in the SEC, and they play all eight others that are ranked. Yeah, I imagine, in addition to hosting number one Louisville to open the season.
3: Yeah, I uh, I imagine Mike was like, "Could I get a Missouri or Kentucky by chance?" But tough tough East draw for. For the, uh, for the old rebels there. 29 of the
2: 54 games on the schedule are preseason top 25 teams. 15 of those are home
3: games. It's more than half if you carry the one. Thank you for that. Thank you
0: for (laughs) that. Super Math Mississippi, I'm telling you. That is, uh, that is fairly daunting.
2: And we mentioned this yesterday and don't know and probably won't know until opening weekend. Um, Doug Nakasey was cited for DUI Sunday morning, so Sunday night into Monday morning. And uh, there's a statement from Mike Bianco yesterday that said uh, they were aware of the situation and they would handle it appropriately and internally. So at times in the past, that has meant a suspension. An off-season DUI has meant a suspension for the opening weekend. Um, We've seen that with both uh, pitchers and position players. So we will uh, wait and see not not guessing that that's going to be the result of this one way or the other just saying that that is something that has uh, has happened in the past so we'll uh, we'll see where that goes obviously that's your guy that's the ace of your pitching staff Drew Pomeranz dealt with that
3: Yeah you had Andy Pagnazzi who had it in I think that was the 2017 team and I believe pitched the next weekend but I, you know the punishment for that. If I remember correctly, was handled internally. So I guess it kind of remains to be seen. There is precedent one way or another, but I guess we shall see. But yeah, that definitely changes the complexion of opening weekend. If he is not available, I don't know what. I imagine we'll get something more on that later in the week.
2: Hey, Dad, forgive me for a dumb question. I always I, do. Be, yeah, be, be yeah. Thanks. Yeah, they happen pretty regularly. <laughs> Super Bulldog weekend is. Is that still the weekend that they host Ole Miss for baseball, or was it moved? Yes. It's still the same weekend, yeah. And so. Why would it be moved? Football spring game coincides with that as well, right? Yep. Okay. I mean, I know it always has. Am I crazy that at one point there was some discussion about possibly
0: pushing pushing it back? I I don't think there was any discussion from the university, there was some talk amongst fans because it's also Easter weekend, and there was some concern about that. But it is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend, so Eastern Sun- Easter Sunday. I don't think anybody in the conference plays on Easter Sunday for baseball.
2: It's been hey. by choice in, in recent years. There have been a few programs that have continued to play on Easter Sunday, and I think that's kind of the home team's decision, but maybe in conjunction with the visiting team.
3: I don't know exactly how it works. I know Ole Miss has done it before. I remember specifically in 15, Tennessee played here. Don't ask why I remember that on Easter Sunday. And I want to say there's maybe one more occasion, but I think the last two years.
2: Yeah, the last at least couple of years, maybe handful of years, Ole Miss has not played on Easter Sunday.
3: Yeah, 17 or 18, they were at LSU and finished on Saturday. I want to say
2: Vanderbilt or South Carolina or somebody like that did play a game because there was a television game on Easter Sunday afternoon, I remember, you know, at least one game. Maybe there were two um, last year. Hey, Dad, is the excitement level picking up? I mean, are you starting to, to notice it? Are people starting to get juiced up about baseball season? I mean, I know there's a lot of buildup because this is a team that's thought very highly of and it's mm-hmm. baseball at Mississippi State, so it's always a big deal. But do you feel a little more juice going into this year?
0: Well, you know, when you think about Mississippi State right now, obviously there's a lot of excitement for football because with Mike Leach and all this stuff sure. going on. And then men's basketball is starting to take off a little bit. Women's basketball sort of is what it is. They're still a, a dominant program. But absolutely, I, I feel the excitement for baseball. Now, maybe part of that is because I'm excited for baseball. My podcast co-host, Jill Coleman, is excited for baseball. Uh, but by and large, Mississippi State fans, yeah, they're they're ready for the season to start. They think it's going to be another good year, and that Mississippi State has a chance to, to once again make it back to Omaha and maybe this time uh, finish the season with a win.
3: I got a prediction. You said that all, one of those Auburn games is 8 p.m.? hmm First pitch, bet it rains. To push the
2: first pitch back to like 10.30? Hey, Dad, write it down now. It is May, though.
0: Just watch. What about April flowers bring May showers. Isn't that what it is? Something like that. That's what I've been told. Yeah.
2: Mississippi State women's basketball won last night to improve to 8-1 and one in the league. They're now 20-3 overall, 8th-ranked team in the country. 14-point win. Anything stand out for you last night?
0: The state was sloppy early, uh, but they, they turned it around. Vic Schaefer wasn't particularly happy with his offense, but defensively they forced 25 turnovers. He was He was pretty excited about that. Now, 20
2: and 3 on the year, and again, 8 and 1 in SEC play. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will be right back.
1: I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along for the ride on this Tuesday afternoon. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Teresa Walker uh, covers a lot of things in the state of Tennessee for the Associated Press, including Vanderbilt uh, Athletics. She is based in Nashville. And uh, I'm hopeful that uh, she can shed a little bit of light on what's going on uh, there on West End. So earlier today, Teresa, the news comes out that Malcolm Turner is out as athletics director at Vanderbilt. He had been on the job just a hair over a year. I think officially hired February 1st, um, one year ago. I would say surprising news. Is it surprising to you?
5: Well, would have been surprising a week ago, but over the weekend, there was uh, some stuff starting to sprout up on social media. And Malcolm Turner wasn't at an event uh, late in the week that honored the 1993 team. Uh, that was the year that Vanderbilt won the SEC regular season title and went mm-hmm. to a Sweet 16 under Eddie Fogler. And then he wasn't in attendance Saturday night at the uh, annual uh, Vanderbilt baseball banquet and Vanderbilt baseball, which is the defending national champion and, uh, you know, team picked to repeat this year. So, that you know, let's face it, an athletic director usually is at such events because why? He's the athletic director. So that kind of put my radar up. But I will be. I will. Hey, when the release came down from Vanderbilt this morning saying that he had resigned and Candace Story Lee was named interim AD, I was surprised because he just started on the job, February first, twenty nineteen, and this is a guy. I mean, you know he did not have background, you know, in athletic departments in college, but when they hired him they they did say, you know, that they were wanting to think outside the box, you know, that they wanted him for his you know, for the skills that he brought to the job and then to last a year. It definitely makes you wonder what in the world else is going on.
2: Teresa, you and I talked a little, uh, I guess it was the night of the Titans game against the Patriots, and I think that was the night that Vanderbilt hosted Texas A&M. And there was another previous basketball team, an SEC tournament championship or regular season championship team that they honored that night, and he was on the floor shaking hands with those former players and handing out you know, plaques or framed pictures or whatever it was. And then I noticed on Saturday night when I was there he wasn't there. I didn't really think anything about it at the time, but thinking back, it is odd that the AD wouldn't be there for an event like that. What's ultimately the reasoning here? I I, I know what the press release said, and he said he wanted to pursue other opportunities, but this doesn't feel like something where he just steps away because all of a sudden his career ambitions are different.
5: Well, Jerry Stackhouse spoke this afternoon, uh, just uh, almost two hours ago, and said he had a, a meeting scheduled with Malcolm on two, on Thursday. Um, so, yes, uh, very surprising when it catches your basketball coach that you hired last spring by surprise. That that's that's an indication. There are reports that uh you know there's some questions about money you know that David Williams the the former AD had left a rainy day fund and that you know there's questions about where that money is uh one thing we do know is that under Malcolm Turner they you know they changed out the the turf uh, the 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 fake grass at the baseball stadium they put in video ribbon boards inside memorial upgraded the lighting et cetera, inside the basketball gym and you know they certainly did put in a new video board at the football stadium so there was there was some things bought uh, you know, does that price tag add up to the $17 million that was reportedly in the rainy day fund? Uh, it, let's just put it this way. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. Um, but, Richard, I'll say this. It kind of goes – now Vanderbilt has as an interim AD, Candace Story Lee, who, you know, all, he, she's been around the program, earned three different degrees since uh, – you know, coming to Vanderbilt as a basketball player and, you know, she'd been kind of in charge of the day-to-day things there at the program. Felt like David Williams certainly was trying to groom her to be his replacement, and Hmm. now she's on the job in an interim fashion. And, And interim, I think, only because Vanderbilt has an interim chancellor, And, you know, maybe they don't want to have her hand out the thing, but the release had quotes from Tim Corbin of the baseball program. And then, oh, yeah, John Ingram, who's, you know, the chairman uh, or the head of the athletics committee for the Vanderbilt Board of Trust. If, you know, those are the guys you'd want to have in your corner if you're making that kind of move. So uh, I'm just curious how long that interim tag actually stays on. But. You know, yeah, you don't make changes this quickly, this suddenly, without there being so much more of a backstory. And I'm just curious. You know, there's there's been tweets about mismanagement of money, so I'm very curious to see what happens next.
2: All right, I, I want to try to go two different directions with you, but they're kind of divergent. So I hope we've got enough time for both. Let's let's start with who you just mentioned, Candice Lee, a second ago. Uh, she is a female. We've not seen a lot of that in terms of athletics directors in the SEC. She is an African American female. We have never seen that in the SEC. How important would it be for Vanderbilt? Um, and and they had an African American athletics director in, in David Williams, and Malcolm Turner was as well. Just kind of a, from the the statement that that would make with regard to forward thinking and being progressive and and giving some other opportunities. Would that be important to Vanderbilt with regard to maybe taking that interim tag off Candace Lee eventually?
5: Well, I, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, the, this is a this is a university that, you know, has kind of, that has become a priority, it seems. Diversity is huge. The current interim uh, chancellor and provost is a woman. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look bad, but here's the thing. On Twitter today, uh, former Vanderbilt athletes like Earl Bennett, Casey Hayward, guys who played in the NFL have essentially kind of been saying, yes, Candice is exactly the person we need in this role. So, you know, she's got people already lobbying for her to be, to, to stay in this job. So, when you've got former athletes helping support her candidacy, it, you know, and and keeping her in this job, that I, I, that how can that not help tremendously? You know, she can. She's a former mm-hmm. athlete herself. She's been on that campus, and she's you know she she's earned a, a master's degree, a doctorate. And, you know, she's been around there and seen how this has gone, and she's been in charge. I mean, she she was the person in charge of the day-to-day things as an administrator for football and women's basketball. You know, so, you know, she's seen all, all of these sports. She's worked on NCAA rules committee. So, you know, if you're going to, you know, you went outside the box, hired from outside the family, so to speak, on Malcolm Turner. That lasted a very short time. It sure. just seems like – uh This is a good thing. And Jerry Stackhouse, you know, he was a guy that was hired by Malcolm Turner, brought in from the NBA. Well, he he told reporters uh, a little while ago that, yeah, he was going to celebrate this. You know, he's excited to see Candace in this role. So, it's you know, let's put it this way. The support is coming in from all uh, areas. It just seems like this is going to be the move that happens.
2: And, and interestingly enough, Jerry Stackhouse has got a couple of females that are on his staff, and it's not token positions, it's positions that where he relies heavily on those. Teresa Walker from the Associated Press joining us from Nashville. We're talking about uh, Malcolm Turner stepping down or being fired, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, as Athletics Director at Vanderbilt. All right, this may be the more complicated answer. We've got two or three minutes left. Um, b- because it's a private institution, Vanderbilt doesn't make its finances public. And Obviously, there's a tall hill to climb when you're in the SEC, but there's also expectations because you're getting a lot of money from the conference. How much do we think Vanderbilt's athletics budget is? And is there money there, or are there restrictions that are in place that cause there not to be money there for Vanderbilt to make a commitment to build a new football stadium, to compete at the highest level in the SEC?
5: oh those are great questions uh and that's the challenge Uh, we get uh the report that they have to file as a non-profit to the federal government but when we get it it's a couple years late you know so i think the 2017 version is available right now so we can see what you know who the highest paid employees are you know Jared mason in football is among one of those categories kevin stallings was right up there as well before he 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 left david williams was one of the most highest paid guys in, in college athletics because he was doing two or three jobs before they uh, took a couple off his plate, and he was mostly just a law professor and no longer general counsel for the entire university. So, uh, but let's face it—you know—you look at the, the facilities, football stadiums. Last major renovation, nineteen eighty-one. Uh, mm. You know that—that's you know that's dog years. Compared to everybody else, I mean, in the NF, in the SEC, you have to be constantly updating. I mean, you know, Tennessee's got a project going underway. I think Georgia's finally getting an indoor athletic facility. That's that's the one thing Vanderbilt does have. That was built during the days of James Franklin. So, right. uh, you look at the facilities; it's easy to see there's money that could be put in. You know, the $44 million that they got from the SEC this time around, it, you know, are they using it to pay just the scholarships? That, that's a question that's also asked. So, uh, you know, could they put in more? Absolutely. And the one thing they've made very clear is they want to have the, the, the donations, the fundraising done before they commit to things.
2: It's really fascinating. To me, that's the biggest question going forward. And now, maybe if, if Candace Lee is the hire, that's not a, a conversation that has to happen. But if you were going to go into a national search, if I'm looking at that job, I want to know if I've got the ability to go out and do the things that need to be done to um, try and make it uh, a competitive program. Teresa, really appreciate your insight today. Gr- great stuff this afternoon. Thanks so much.
5: My pleasure. Thank you so much.
2: That's Teresa Walker from the uh, the Associated Press. She knows Vanderbilt well. They're uh, in Nashville, has covered the program, all of the different sports. That's fascinating stuff. Um, to me, uh, could we be looking at the, the first African American female an athletics director in the SEC? It sounds like that is a very real possibility, but it's not a hire that's based on trying to garner attention or win a press conference. It sounds like Candace Lee is incredibly qualified and has kind of paid her dues to get to that point. We'll see where it goes in Nashville. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: We'll be right back. Rock the
1: ball. Now back to Sports Talk Mississippi
0: It doesn't get any better than this
1: On Super Talk Mississippi
2: Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippy, Brian Haydad, Will East, and for Michael Borkey. Rippey, is there anything that Teresa said in terms of kind of what they're dealing with at Vanderbilt that struck a chord with you or really stood out?
3: Not particularly. The $17 million rainy day fund and there being questions surrounding that is pretty interesting. Yeah, like In terms of like how it was spent, what exactly does that mean?
2: You know, she, she mentioned some of the improvements that had happened with facilities at Vanderbilt, and you could look around and go, well, doggone it, somebody finally spent some money because they needed improvement in facilities. They got a new video board, they've juiced up Memorial Gym, which is the oldest gymnasium in the SEC, and it's not even close. And the baseball team just won a national championship, so if they need new turf... Go put in new turf. I mean, hey, that When when you look around the facilities at Vanderbilt, I don't know where the money has been going because it hasn't been yeah. going into those.
0: I always wonder sometimes, especially at a school like Vanderbilt, which isn't paying big money to coaches or anything like that. Like, what are you doing with your money? Is is just sitting there accumulating interest? And I'm not I'm not saying you got to go out and spend you know twenty million a year, but you got stuff that needs to be fixed. Fix it, you know, and try to try to. Present yourself as an SEC school, at least. Yeah, I mean, I would say that across the board, Vanderbilt's coaching
2: salaries are slightly lower than maybe the SEC, their SEC counterparts, but they're certainly well, well above the national average. I mean, Derek Mason's making three and a half million or so dollars, coach football at Vanderbilt. I'm sure, Stackhouse is making a couple of million to be the basketball coach. Tim Corbin's the highest paid baseball coach in America. He's making over two million dollars won two national championships, though. Yeah. I don't know about return on an investment in terms of program being in the black versus being in the red. I'm sure the program's in the red because it's a 3,000-seat stadium. Yeah. um, It's not like... They continue and, and, to put, and you don't have the luxury boxes and all that good stuff. But it's a great product.
0: And as they continue to put high draft picks into, the, into MLB, those players will, I would imagine... Return some of that money into the mm-hmm. program, and, and you know, maybe. it becomes sort of a self fulfilling prophecy. I'm not saying that somebody's going to give him 20 million, but yeah. you know, there's there's pieces here and there.
2: Yeah, maybe so. Um, I mean, obviously, it costs money to run a program at a really high level. Yeah, but but Vanderbilt has either the largest or the second largest endowment in the SEC. It may be smaller than Texas A and I, I don't remember their focus has just never been on athletic spending and unless you right. get a, a unless you get like a almost a paradigm shift at the top of the university from a leadership standpoint where somebody says we can be excellent at both we don't have we, we don't have to take a backseat to anyone academically but we're going to spend what it takes. We're going to reallocate some resources and focus on becoming better athletically. Unless you get that from president or chancellor or board of trustees or however they're set up governmentally, there, then nothing's going to change.
0: Right. Is is, is pockets a, a, of success, but not sustained. Is is having success at Vanderbilt the way people have had success at Duke, Northwestern. Stanford is it is it feasible? Is it possible? Yes. And I'm talking about like football.
2: No, no, I yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um yeah. the, I would say the answer is yes, but you gotta do it a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean
2: it, it it is it is not coincidental that Vanderbilt relaxed its admission requirements a little for football when James Franklin was there. And he won nine games in back-to-back seasons. But they also had really embarrassing off the field issues. Now, I would I would tell you that, that does not that, that that's not necessarily two plus two equals four. I, I don't think that just because you relax your admission standards and maybe you take a chance on a player or two or three or five that you wouldn't traditionally take a chance on, that that means you all of a sudden have a rape culture. I think that has more to do with the guy who's in charge of the program. Just because somebody is academically, maybe they they don't qualify for Vanderbilt right now doesn't mean they're a terrible person.
0: I mean, right? You could be top 10% of your class in any high school in America and maybe not get into Vanderbilt. That's true. So, uh, anyway. I
2: I, I don't know ultimately what you do with it. It certainly is a job that has its challenges. If they don't make some changes, then nothing will change. If they do make some changes, then they got a chance to have some more success and some sustained success in football. I mean, Vanderbilt's not ever going to be a contender to win the East on a year-in-year-out basis. I don't know that Vanderbilt's ever going to get to the college football playoff, but Vanderbilt having a successful run comparable to what Stanford had—that's not—that's not too much to ask. Stanford built a new football stadium not too terribly long ago,
0: a decade or so I mean, ago. Could Vanderbilt, is there a scenario where Vanderbilt is the third best team in the East in football? You know, they're, they're probably never going to be ahead of Georgia and Florida. In a given but,
2: year, yes, but
0: not consistently. Yeah. Could they consistently be like a, could they, I guess sort of, Jane Franklin sort of showed that they could be, but a consistent 7 8 win, jump up to 9 every now and then kind of team.
3: I mean, so you're saying Vagil four
0: or five? Yeah, I mean you should. They should. They, I think Vanderbilt can be. I think the East has a bunch of teams that can say we should be beating this other team. Kentucky can say we should be beating Vanderbilt and South Carolina and Missouri. Vanderbilt can say that about so on and so forth. Because those games aren't. But, but, but hey, you not playing about, Alabama. Think about the question not, you just asked, though. Okay. The yep. question you just asked is: Is
2: it reasonable for Vanderbilt to expect the same results? That Ole Miss and Mississippi State we've talked about yeah. should we expect.
0: And and that's state, what you're I think, asking. I think yeah, you're not wrong. You know, state is you know state and Ole Miss look at the schedule and they say okay, probably not going to beat Alabama, probably not going to beat LSU in a given year. You know, and see what happens with Auburn. But the rest of the games should be you know toss ups, and I include Texas A and M in that for Mississippi State. They've had success against them. So, so was for Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. So is Ole Miss. So and you know, there's there's opportunities there. Yeah. At it's the very at least, least Vandy should be winning it's non-conference games and a couple of conference winning two in the SEC to go 6 and 6. Yeah.
2: And and you might say well if you schedule four wins in non-conference play you're not going to fill up your stadium.
0: <laughs> I got some so news. So you mean it's like yeah.
2: every
3: other week. Yeah, it's,
0: it's not any different. I mean, it depends
3: on who you're filling it up with. Sure. Georgia fills it up for them. Yeah. Says so LSU. I mean, Ole Miss kind of. When we get a game up there? <laughs> I don't know, man. My last two trips there. have... I, I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. Some years more than others. But the uh, the opening night game a few years ago, where Jalen Walton had the big run late in the ball game. James Franklin
0: year though, right? Was that a James Franklin team? It pretty was. So, yeah. Twenty
3: twelve. Yeah. Venue
0: was pretty it's good. There. That long ago. Was that Jalen Walton or was that, that Jeff Scott?
3: That was, that, I guess that would have been 13. That was uh, Jeff Scott. J- it uh, was
0: Jeff Scott. 2013. I was in Houston watching that game.
3: It was on a Thursday night.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um.
2: Yeah, I mean, there were 20,000 Ole Miss fans there that night.
0: And the Including that one beautiful. guy who, who's been immortalized in that GIF. Do what? There's some guy who, when the dancing Scott scores, guy. He, the dancing guy, exactly, Will, yeah. I thought that was at a home game. No, that was no, no, that's game. at that Vandy game, yeah. It was 700 degrees that night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was in Texas, brother. What do you know about hot? It was hotter, and I bet it was hotter in that in Vanderbilt Stadium than it was in Houston, Texas that night.
0: That's, that's a bold statement.
2: Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I understand the statement that I just made. Mike Leach has completely finalized his coaching staff. We told you that yesterday. He did so with the uh, the final hire on the defensive side of the ball with Jason Washington coming in to coach safety. So we will recap when we come back. We'll look at the entire Mississippi State coaching staff and see what, uh, what kind of stands out. There's one thing in particular that stands out to me in terms of position group coaching take a look at that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online, supertalk.fm. Got the college football fix coming up just after 5 o'clock. Your text coming in on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Be right back.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Southern Miss fan in Hattiesburg, and you would like to meet the Southern Miss baseball team tonight? Would be a good night. They are having a um, baseball event, the Brewskies Dugout Club event at Brewskies in Hattiesburg. It is from six until seven thirty. Free hot dogs, team autographs. Event is open to the public. Hey, Dad, would you go for a free hot dog?
0: I don't like hot dogs, so no. Would you go for a free autograph? From the USM baseball team?
2: Yes, of course you would. Sure, why not? To the top. Fun way to spend Tuesday evening.
0: Uh, Yes.
2: Ryan Brown, our buddy
0: at... I don't like hot dogs. You You know what those are made of? I can't say it on the air. Shut up, hey, Dad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Brown from Joxon, Birmingham on Twitter. This is in response to another tweet. CNN reporting 62% of Iowa caucus results from all 99 counties. I can't say his name. Pete from South Bend. What's his last name? Buttigieg.
3: Go ahead and nail it, hey, Dad.
2: Is that right? I don't know what it is. Buttigieg, is that right? Sure, sure. Whatever, Tw- He's at 26.9%. Sanders is at 25.1%. This is not political. I just love what Ryan Brown tweeted. If I'm Bernie Sanders, I go for two in the win. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kick the extra point. Go for two. All right. Um, I told you, Mississippi State's coaching staff is complete. There are a couple of things that fascinated me. So it's a 10-person coaching staff, but in terms of assistants, you've only got four on the offensive side, you got six on the defensive side. Obviously, Mike Leach is an offensive guy that kind of balances it out. So, Eric, say it, last name. I'm pretty sure it's Millay. Millay is yeah. the running back's coach. Mm-hmm. Mason Miller coaching the offensive line. Dave Nichol coaching inside receivers. Steve Spurrier, Jr., outside receivers. So, first of all, that's fascinating to me. There is no tight ends coach because well, right. you don't really have tight ends. But you split the receivers into two, so you don't have a wide receivers coach. You've got one coach that's focused on slot receivers, inside receivers, and one that's focused on outside receivers. You ever I don't met Spurrier, Jr.? I've Junior? seen that particular baker, uh, back, breakdown before.
0: Yeah, I haven't. Have you ever met Spurrier, Jr.? No, I have not. Buddy? He looks Dead ringer. exactly like his father. Does he sound like him? I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I'm looking forward to that. Just going to pitch it around out there. Throw Budovich. The ball around? yeah Budovich
2: is the apparent pronunciation but what Budovich. there's no V in there yeah well sheshevsky doesn't exactly look like Shashevsky either
3: I'm uh, disputing that
2: uh defensive side Zach Arnett as the defensive coordinator we talked about him yesterday San Diego State brief stint at uh brief stint in the office at Syracuse never on the field coach uh because they never played a game while he was there he got a
0: piece of cake for the
2: hiring party. That's about it. Tony Hughes, associate head coach, and he's working with Nickelbacks. Matt Brock, special teams coordinator, outside linebacker. Starsew McBath is working with the corners. Jeff Phelps with defensive line. Jason Washington with safeties. So it feels like a little more specialization on the defensive side. Yeah.
3: Buttigieg. Okay. But I can see where the V could be misconstrued. Buttigieg?
0: Buttigieg. Sure. I wonder what Donald Trump's going to call him. You if we can't, it's probably not fair. That could no take way. a turn for the worst. Yeah.
2: I mean, given that he is want-to-use nicknames. Yes, he I is. I saw the,
3: the newest one is uh, Mini Mike. Was that Bloomberg? I would assume so.
0: Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, I, mean, I don't know.
2: Wasn't he complaining about Mike Bloomberg asking for a stool to stand on or something during a debate?
0: Rippy and I, don't I need know, to go that this seems route. Like, is that a
3: scene from the campaign?
5: <laughs>
0: it what, is. What are you saying, hey dad? Rippy and I need to go this route. to start, just just taking each other out on Twitter. Nickname: each My other. Ole Miss cohort, Tiny Rippy. Shirt off, guy. He comes, hey, dad. Exactly. It's too long. That doesn't really pop.
3: Shirt-off guy, hey dad? Yeah. Remember when we discussed the power of a guy with his shirt off? We did.
0: Yeah. yeah. You said there was one at the pavilion the other night. Was there? He texted oh, yeah, me yeah, there said was.
3: He... Upper deck. A guy took it off and uh, briefly started waving it, and then... From my vantage point, was using it as a weapon on his buddies who also couldn't decide whether they wanted to take it off or not. But the most powerful man in the building was not on the court during that moment. <laughs> I texted A lot, a lot of self-confidence. Did you take a picture? No, he's I, I mean, too far away. He was off the side of the court. I just watched in awe. Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: College Football Fix is coming up next. Bunch to get to in the 5 o'clock hour with you. It's Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: after 5 o'clock on this Tuesday afternoon, a rainy Tuesday in much of the state of Mississippi. We're glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippy, Brian Haydad, Will East, in today for Michael Borky. Thanks for being with us. CSpire text line is open to you. The number is 601-879-4395. Mississippi's future can't wait. From our kids to our economy, everything's on the line when it comes to computer science education in our schools. That's why C Spire is working with state leaders on a bill that will call for every school to teach computer science. Join C Spire in the fight by texting FUTURE to 50457 or visit OurMSFuture.com. The time is now, Mississippi. That's from C Spire. C Spire, customer inspired. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. It is truck month. A lot of cool stuff going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Check out the F-Series. F-150 is the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. You can also test drive Super Duty and the Ford Ranger at your local Mississippi Ford dealers today. So news out of the Big Ten. Earlier today, Mark D'Antonio stepping down as head coach at Michigan State. He coached Michigan State for 13 years, leading the program to three Big Ten championships, a Rose Bowl victory, and a college football playoff berth. Won more games than any other coach in program history. The past few years have been marred by controversy. In a release today, D'Antonio said, quote, After much reflection and discussion with my family, I feel that it is now time for a change as we enter into a new decade of Michigan State football. I will miss it all but feel the sacrifices that I have made away from my family must now become my priority at this time in my life, close quote. Press conference is coming up in East Lansing in about 20 minutes. Um, Defensive coordinator Mike Tressel has been named the Spartans' acting head coach as the school searches for a permanent replacement. Bill Bender from Sporting News joined us earlier today. He said the ideal candidate is Luke Fickle, currently the head coach at the University of Cincinnati. We'll see if that turns out to be the case. D'Antonio's retirement announcement came one day after his former recruiting director, Curtis Blackwell, filed claims that D'Antonio committed NCAA recruiting violations as part of an ongoing lawsuit. The new filing alleges that D'Antonio helped arrange employment for the parents of two high-profile recruits. Blackwell also says that D'Antonio took him on recruiting trips to a high-profile recruits home in Detroit, which is an NCAA violation because he was not someone that was eligible to be part of the recruiting staff. So, big-time change in Big Ten country. Worth noting, Mark D'Antonio picked up a $4.3 million retention bonus uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Which would explain why if he was ready to step down at the end of December or beginning of January, he didn't do so then. Although you would think that in the interest of what's best for the football program, that D'Antonio and the school could have gotten together and said, look, I'm not stepping down and walking away from this money. If you're willing to go ahead and pay me the money now, you know, fast forward that contract by two months, then I will step away, and that can be a nice parting gift. But if not, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And if they had fired him, they would have owed him even more money. So, I mean, I guess that's maybe partly the business side of it. Um, One of the big issues that they had was four members of D'Antonio's 2016 recruiting class were kicked off the team following charges of sexual assault. That was led by Austin Robertson, who is now in state prison, after being charged with sexually assaulting a teammate's girlfriend less than a year after he arrived on campus, when there were significant questions about him coming in in the first place. And Antonio has declined to answer any questions about the vetting process that let Austin Robertson come to campus in the first place. Michigan State's been a mess for the last few years,
0: hey Dad. Alabama broke them. Alabama completely broke that program. They were the big ten champs. They go to the playoff chance for at the big time. Alabama humiliated them and it's just been downhill ever since. I guess I was talking more about the Larry Nasser or Nasser. Not oh, I mean, I, I. Oh, if you're talking about as the university as a whole, yeah, yeah. I mean, university as a whole, all bad, all bad up there. So, yeah, I just, I, I wonder, Richard, does it just make sense to maybe go interim this year? Is it is it Not too late in Luke the process? Fickle. Yeah, but can you get Luke Fickle? Is he willing to walk away at this late stage? I don't know. Knowing For full well a good world, Big he can, Ten job. I mean, I get that, but that, that good Big Ten job will still be there in December. Not necessarily. Not if I mean, they hire somebody you, full-time. I guess, but who I don't know. I just don't know. Uh,
2: according to a report from Outside the Lines at ESPN, since Antonio's tenure began in 2007, at least 16 Michigan State football players have been accused of sexual assault or violence against women. D'Antonio did say in his announcement today that he continue, plans to continue to work with the Athletics Department at Michigan State in a special projects role that will help incoming and current players transition to their next challenges. The timing on this is really tough for Michigan State, which is the point you were making just a second ago, obviously. Yeah. If not Luke Fickle, I wonder what direction they go.
0: Nah, that's when it starts getting interesting, right?
2: I mean, do you go grab a sitting coordinator somewhere? Do you go after a sitting head coach because it
0: is a good job? (sighs) I just it's so late. I mean it's 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 February it's gonna be February you know, they're not gonna hire this guy tomorrow. It's signing day tomorrow. It's gonna be February tenth, February eleventh. You're talking about what? Maybe three, four weeks at at best from the start of spring practice. I don't know, man. Very, very tough situation. But According to the, the USA Today at same time, so yeah.
2: According to the USA Today salary database, Mark Antonio was twenty fourth the twenty fourth highest paid coach in the country, just shy four point four million. He was operating on a six year rolling contract that can be extended by an additional year every year. It was extended at the conclusion of last season. So going into this past year, he was under contract through the 24-25 season and received a bonus of $4.3 million on January fifteenth, 2020, because simply he was still the head coach. D'Antonio was seventh in the Big Ten in terms of salary behind Jim Harbaugh, Jeff Brom, James Franklin... Pat Fitzgerald, Scott Frost, Kirk Ferentz,
3: and Ryan Day. 63. I wonder if he coaches again.
0: Yeah. Probably not. Why? It's not that old. I didn't say it was looks well, old. There's going to be some baggage here, though. Yeah.
3: Seems very Urban Meyer-ish. Yeah, but does he have the cachet
2: of Urban Meyer? He doesn't have the national championships.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. No,
3: but... It's kind of brisky. Same stratosphere. Too. I mean, he made a playoff at a place that didn't exactly ooze football tradition.
2: I thought what Bill Bill Bender pointed out was, was pretty interesting against the their three the, the three powers, if you will, in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Over the course of thirteen seasons, he was seventeen and seventeen. So in the last thirty four games against Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, he was an even five hundred.
0: And what you said holds earlier. If you tell a Mississippi State I mean, fan or an Ole Miss yeah. fan, you'll take that with Alabama, LSU, and Auburn, everybody's signing that contract.
3: If you told... I mean, Ole Miss did manage to beat all of those schools listed in one season and not win the West. It's true. <laughs> but that's a one-season sample, not a that is season outlier yeah. slice. Yeah, I was just kind of pointing out what an absurd outlier that is. It, it,
2: okay, what what about this? So, I mean, we obviously said build a statue if the head coach at Ole Miss or Mississippi State goes 17 and 17 over the course of 34 games against Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. What if the head coach at LSU against Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, because that's their permanent opponent, goes 17 and 17 over the course of 34 games? Mm -hmm. Assuming a handful of those are against Alabama?
0: Couldn't couldn't lose too many more. Speaking of Alabama, by the way, I'm officially starting the campaign for Michigan State to bring Nick Saban home. Let's go.
3: So they went that would send Luke Lu Fickle would be <laughs> the same route they went last time. Because D'Antonio came from Cincinnati. Did he? 0-4 oh, to oh He's only been the coach of two head coach of two programs. That was kind of the start of relevance again for Cincinnati after not being good for a long time, right? Brian Kelly in there, too. Tommy Tuberville. One of those things is not like the other.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you... If you happen to be an Arkansas basketball fan, you're probably not excited about this news. A release from the University of Arkansas, head coach Eric Musselman announced earlier today that sophomore guard Isaiah Joe will be out indefinitely after having successful right knee arthroscopic debridement surgery. I had to look up what debridement was, and basically, that is going in and cleaning up anything that's loose in the knee area.
0: Yeah, it's like a
2: scope, right? Yeah, yeah. Hence arthroscopic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, the quote from Musselman, as I mentioned in the press conference Monday, Isaiah did have an MRI on his knee. The results came back late Monday, and it was determined that he would undergo surgery on Tuesday. He will not be at the Auburn game tonight, so he can recover and begin rehabilitation. So that is um, not great news for Arkansas. They got a big game tonight at home against Auburn. One of four games that's happening tonight in the SEC. Auburn and Arkansas is at six on the SEC network. Tennessee and Alabama is at six on ESPNU. Missouri and Kentucky, eight o'clock SEC network. And the one that I guess we're most interested in, Mississippi State and Kentucky at Rupp Arena tonight in Lexington. What are your thoughts on this game, hey, Dad?
0: It's a game State can win, um, especially if they play the way they've played the past few weeks. But that said, that they they need to finally get off to a solid start because that Rupp Arena crowd is definitely definitely different than what they saw, say, at Florida uh, last week. Uh, if State is down 10, 12, 14, 15 points in the first half, that, that's going to be a really tall hill for them to climb. They need to come out to a solid start uh, I think Nick Weatherspoon's play is going to be key again. You know, you look at last week, seventeen assists to three turnovers in two games. Got to maintain that. I, I don't want to do the math on that one for you, Richard. I'm sorry. Uh, I, they got to maintain seventeen to three. Little, yeah. So what? Uh, it was like uh, almost like, six to one. Yeah. Five yeah, Five point eight five. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, they, they they need they need him to play well. They need him to you know not turn the ball over and and to, and to find Perry, find Woodard, and find the shooters Carter and uh, and Stewart. If state plays the way they played in the second half against Florida and against uh, Tennessee, they can win this game, and that would be a huge win, a quadrant one win, and a quadrant quadrant one win that's not going anywhere. You know, when you look at uh at Arkansas, that was a quadrant one win for them, but Arkansas has lost a couple or lost at least once game, one game since then. They've dropped off that. So Kentucky's going to stay there. They're going to stay in quadrant one, being on the road especially. So be a good tournament resume. I mean, if they if they win this game and they beat Vanderbilt on on Saturday. I feel like we can start getting away from "Are they going to make it?" and start talking about seeding a little bit. But you know, yeah. winning at Rupp is, is no uh, no easy matter. They've only done it uh, five times in history and haven't done it at all since two thousand and nine.
2: Kentucky's a six and a half point favorite in the game. Six and a half point favorite. Uh, totals one thirty nine and a half. So you know, prediction that the game will be played in the high sixties, low seventies. Does that favor one team or the other?
0: No, I think both those teams can can win. I think both of these teams can win either kind of game. I think both of these teams could grind it out if they needed to, and I think they could get up in the eighties if they needed to as well. Especially the way State's been playing recently, they can they can definitely score. Um, I think it's going to be a, just a, a sort of a in the middle there. You know, seventy. I think my prediction was Kentucky seventy four, MSU sixty eight, or something like that.
2: 74-68. So you would take Mississippi State to cover. Six and a half? I feel like they could
0: cover that. Yeah, I would. You got a thought on that, Rippy?
3: I mean, that's in that coin flip range where State yeah. like state could be down two and foul and all that. I agree generally with the sentiment. Yes, I think it will be close to the end.
2: ESPN's basketball power indexed matchup predictor gives Kentucky a 67% chance to win the game. Rounding. Mississippi State a 33%.
0: repeating percent.
3: It's not really a bad percentage for being on the road, considering the arena and
0: venue and everything else. Against a ranked team, especially, yeah. Right. Yeah. Looks like maybe the number's gone to uh, seven as well.
2: Um, Mississippi State averaging 73.6 points per game, Kentucky averaging 75 per game. Both teams giving up exactly 65.5 points per game. And the, these numbers are remarkably similar. Okay, so Kentucky scores 1.4 per game more. They both give up exactly 65.5. Mississippi State is shooting 46.7% from the field. Kentucky, 46%. So Mississippi State 7 tenths of a percentage point better. Mississippi State is averaging 38.6 rebounds per game. Kentucky 38 rebounds a game. Kentucky is four-tenths of an assist better per game. 14.2 to 13.8. Sorry, I know it's a bunch of numbers, but I'm just trying to illustrate how close they are. Yeah. Statistically. Blocks, Kentucky 5.1, Mississippi State an even five. Steals, Mississippi State 5.9, Kentucky 5. I mean, just statistically a really even matchup between these two teams yeah and you know last for State, five I mean, games hey, here's one yeah. more for you last five yeah. games Kentucky four and one a win over Arkansas went over Georgia a win in overtime over Texas Tech a win over Vanderbilt and a loss at Auburn Mississippi State last five games four and, f- and one a win over Georgia a win over Arkansas a one point loss to Oklahoma a win over Florida and a win over Tennessee.
0: It's crazy how state's season right now is sort of defined by two buzzer beaters, both of which went against Mississippi State. Either one goes state's way, and we look—I think we really look at this team in a whole different light. And right now, I think we all think they're pretty good. But if they had beaten LSU or beaten Oklahoma, we—I think we would already be moving on to that. They're going to get in discussion. Where are they going to be seated?
2: All right, hey, Dad. Let's do this for a second. So, Mississippi State sitting at fourteen and seven overall. You remember first mm-hmm. twelve games of the year, or first ten games of the year, whatever the number was. No Nick Weatherspoon. Right. So yeah. Their first loss of the season was in Myrtle Beach, and they played well against Villanova. They lost that mm-hmm. game by seven. Yeah. And that was without Weatherspoon. Right. Two games later, they lost at home to Louisiana Tech. It's a pretty good Louisiana Tech team. First lost place that in one by seven. And didn't Mississippi State just shoot it terribly that night?
0: Yes, yeah, they just they 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 were that was just a poor game. They did not play well. They beat Kansas speaking State. Speaking of that, go ahead. I say, speaking of that, there's the game that you called
2: New Mexico State. That's the that's the low mark, right? Yeah, a I agree. 58-52 loss on a rainy Sunday afternoon in the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson. Just played poorly. It's hard to watch. They lost by 12 to Auburn. Auburn's really good. (laughs) Yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. They lost by 11 at Alabama. Alabama shot it well that night. So that was 0 2 to start league play. Mm -hmm. And then they lose a one point game at LSU. And so they start league play 0 3. They've ripped off five in a row in the league Mm -hmm. Missouri by a million. Georgia by a million, Arkansas by seven. They had the non conference loss to Oklahoma, but then a road win at Florida, probably the best win of the season.
0: Would you agree with that? Yes. Because it was on the road? No. Because it was on the road, yes. I think they played better, though, against Tennessee.
2: I would agree. No, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in terms of like win quality. Well,
0: yeah, because that's a quadrant one win for them. That's probably going to stay one. I don't. I don't see Florida dropping out of the top seventy-five.
2: No, 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 no. In fact, I think Florida's about to go on a run.
0: Okay. Well, that'd be interesting. I don't, you you got to see them. what's this past weekend? They 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 look like they shaken that off.
2: Well, I mean, they weren't great, but they got the win. But but just looking at what Florida's schedule is coming up, mm-hmm. they've got Georgia at home tomorrow night. They're at Ole Miss on Saturday, they're at A and M, then they host Vandy, then they host Arkansas.
0: Probably four and one in that stretch. Yeah. The middle of the well, not even really the middle. Basically, you know, you got, I guess you got Auburn and LSU up there, but then like three to eight, it's just this massive traffic jam right now. I feel. Yeah, be interesting to see who comes out three, four. Gets those extra I, buys in the SEC tournament.
2: I want to see how long LSU keeps this thing rolling. Yeah. All right, so they're sitting at eight and zero. They're at Vanderbilt on tomorrow night, so 9-0? that'll get them to nine and zero. Then they got to go to Auburn next Saturday on Saturday, early tip game, tough environment. Maybe take their first league loss. Probably so. Probably beat Missouri.
0: Yes. Could
2: win at, at Alabama.
0: Should. Then
2: Kentucky, I think you're looking at an LSU team that's got 15-3 and three written all over it in league play. Let's we'll see if that's enough to win it all. Auburn and, LSU and Kentucky both sitting there with two losses already. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back after this.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Mississippi, Richard Cross, Will East in for Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being along with us for the ride this afternoon. So we got the news yesterday, Haydad, that K.J. Costello is coming to Mississippi State. Right after you left, it became official, and it looked like it was about to become official. Yeah. Um, I went back and pulled his numbers um, 2017 as a sophomore he played in 11 games completed 59% of his passes, 1,573 yards 14 touchdowns and 4 interceptions so from what I could tell did not play as a freshman, that was his sophomore season.
0: Yeah, redshirted as a, well, I think that was his redshirt freshman year okay I was looking at Whatever the football stats
2: website was. So yeah, don't 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 get off on the years because we know he's got right. two years left to play at Mississippi State.
0: No. No.
2: That's not right. He has a yeah. graduate transfer with one year to play. One year. Yeah. Chase I'm just Bryce making stuff years. up. Is that okay? You, you got any problem you with know just
0: randomly making things up? I think we we've hit a, a breakthrough on the show. You made up a positive thing for Mississippi State there. Nah, if KJ Costello had two good things, two years—it was a lie. But I'm sorry, <laughs> but it was it was positive. We yeah. are we are making progress. I love it. Um,
2: 2018. We'll just go with years as opposed to <laughs> school classification. 2018 yeah. played in 13 games, mm-hmm. including a bowl game. Two sixty-nine to 65 percent completions, thirty-five hundred forty yards. That was the second most yards and the second most completions in the Pac-12 in 2018. He averaged 8.6 yards per attempt. It's an okay number.
0: It's a good number, yeah.
2: 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Very soft. So not quite 3-1, to one, but close to it. Yeah. And then this past season, 2019, he played in only five games. He did complete 61% of his passes in those five games. For thousand thirty-eight yards. Touchdown and interception numbers are down, though. Six touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah. And dealt with injuries this year.
0: And not just right? him, but that entire Stanford team yeah, dealt ev- with injuries.
2: Everybody on Stanford's team got hurt last year.
0: They they really had some some big issues as far as injury go. I mean, that's why they, they, went, they went from nine and four to four and eight. Somehow see, beat Washington though. I don't know how. See if Stanford has a bounce back here. They have. I think I couldn't. Don't again. Let's not get hung up on numbers here. But I think the number is twelve of how many grad transfers they have in the portal right now. They just have a ton of their depth leaving, and I think it's this grad school thing. To go get a jump on grad school somewhere else while somebody else is still no, no. paying the bill. They did, no, they they were not accepted into Stan- Stanford. Unlike Vanderbilt, makes no exceptions evidently, and so these guys weren't able to get into grad school out there.
1: Oh,
2: so they finished their undergraduate eligibility, didn't mm-hmm. get into the MBA program or the master's or whatever, of yeah. whatever program,
0: and now they're they're all headed out into the into the world, and so in.
2: You know, unless they just want to... You know, most of those guys aren't interested in just taking throwaway classes, I guess. Right. Stanford may not even allow that.
0: That's very possible, too, yeah. So.
2: um, Ole Miss released information today. They will start spring practice after spring break is over. So it's a mid-March start for spring practice. They will practice according to the schedule that they released on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And they will do that for five consecutive weeks, and it will culminate with the Grove Bowl on April the 18th. Uh, Busy weekend, softball's at home that weekend, baseball's at home that weekend against Vanderbilt. But a little bit different look this year. All right, so you you, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth on this. You, You can't laugh at spring game attendance and say it doesn't matter when you've got none and other people have a bunch. Similarly, if you have a bunch and other people have none, you can't go, oh, spring game attendance is a big deal. (laughs) you kind of got to be one way or the other. But Ole Miss is attempting to put together a pretty big setting for the spring game. They're going to play it under the lights. Saturday night, 6.30, Grove Bowl game to culminate spring practice under Lane Kiffin.
3: It'll generate some buzz, right? Right, Rippy. Yeah, I think. I wonder how much of that is. Well, what I, I imagine the baseball games during the day that day, if I had to take a guess.
2: Two thirty, against Vanderbilt.
3: And I wonder, like, if that's like how much that will help attendance and people getting there. Go to baseball and then go to football. Well, I just mean if you wanted to get up for the spring game in general, like having. A couple extra hours to get there from wherever you're going, or maybe it works the opposite way. I'm just curious. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It'll be something new. Uh, People will post photos of how many people are at each spring game and (laughs) use it as internet fodder throughout the
0: summer. should be great. Rippy and I will rip on each other mercilessly about the others' spring game attendance. I guarantee it. That might be one-sided, hey, Dad? It could be, yeah. State's at 3 on on Super okay. Saturday. So I, I I think last year, well, last year, remember, there was a rainout, so they played the game the spring game and the baseball game at the same time. But the year That's before right. that, the spring game was early, and the baseball game was after that. So, so another 11 a.m. kick for Mississippi State. For the spring game? I, if I had to guess. I don't know for sure. Because baseball's at 3 that day, right?
3: Yeah, correct. Last year Ole Misses was at, like, two or three. Because I remember I was a baseball doubleheader he- double against Florida, and I was there for one game and missed part of the second one or something like that and went to football in
0: between. I didn't even go to the spring game for state last year. They were at the same time, and I, was, I remember talking to Will. I was like, you want me to go to a practice? You want me to watch this top five baseball team play? And we were we were in agreement that the baseball team was probably <laughs> more important.
2: Rippy, you look like you have something you want to say. You disagree with that? Decision? No, I'm just
3: trying to remember that that day felt like six days. I do remember that. It was well, very gray. Well, that was
2: that was the weekend that I was supposed to go to California to do a one off television baseball game on ESPNU between Cal Poly and Cal State Fullerton in San Luis Obispo.
3: Ooh. One which, longboard cover charge to get into that is, bad boy?
2: By the way, Mike Leach says it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet, San Luis Obispo. I've also heard that, but it was crazy, right? So I was going to go to one game in California, but then with the threat of the weather that they ended up having, they weren't. Sh- I think Tom Hart was originally scheduled to do the baseball game. But he was also doing football, and they weren't sure if he was going to be able to do both. So I ended up staying here and doing TV for two
3: baseball games. (laughs) It was a weather issue because they finished that series on Saturday night. The the baseball series? Yeah. Because there were two baseball games that Saturday. That's why. And the night game was the one that was televised. Probably makes sense.
0: I think that's right. So both teams had terrible weather for their spring showcase weekends. That seems about right. Yeah, I remember because I, I did that barbecue competition, stayed up all night Friday night, and it just oh, poured forgot rain. forgot you did that. Yeah, I'm planning to do it again. Doing a whole log this year. I'm excited.
3: I spent half the spring game reminding everyone that Kid K did went to JA. Hey,
0: State and Ole Miss, Rippy, come do barbecue with me. Stay up all night. We'll eat ribs. It'll be great. Do you have to stay up all night to eat the barbecue? You can go nap in your car for a little bit. That's what I did. I got a, like a two-hour nap from 4 to 6.
3: We'll see how I'm feeling. Hey, Dad. <laughs> I might have to sleep. I'd like to eat the barbecue. Especially R- Rippy whole says, You
2: take care of helping cook the barbecue. And then on Saturday, when it's all done and it's
0: time to eat, he would like to come and join us. He'll just show it. up. And, and, and Rippy could be our presenter. I'd love to hear what he comes up with as far as the, the we'll let him make up the whole story of the barbecue team. I wonder if I can somehow get assigned to that baseball game. That'd it. kind of cool. Live remote from the smoker. It's happening. That would be fantastic. Yes.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi. We will wrap things up with you on this Tuesday afternoon after a quick time out at the Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day coming up.
1: Mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Mississippi with you one last time on this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy Will East in for Borky today. A couple of things that are on the horizon. You can catch the JT show on Thursday as he teams up with Mississippi Ag and Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation for the 54th annual Dixie National Rodeo and Sale of Champions. Join in and learn how Mississippi Ag and Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation are teaming up to help you buy green and save green. Ag up, tractor up, and rope a deal at Dixie. And also, on Friday, you've got both the Gallows Show from 6 to 9 and the JT Show from 10 to 1. I'll be in for JT on Friday uh, at the Ole Miss Student Union. Uh, discover how Ole Miss is a leader in growing the state of Mississippi locally and nationally through education and opportunity. It's presented by the University of Mississippi's Insight Park And Baptist Memorial Hospital, North Mississippi, and TVA. So that's coming up on Friday. Uh, Really big part of the day on Friday. So looking forward to that. And you said you're in for JT that day. I am. You ready to talk some politics? Uh, I think we're
0: we we may a little bit. I think it's going to be more
2: (laughs) economic development and the center. Will you have Rippey on as a
0: counterpart, as like you know, fair and balanced, equal time? I take two segments representing. Bernie and his support. The radical left. Yeah, I
3: got to read up on this caucus app stuff, and I'll uh, I'll have some content by Friday if you give me a chance.
2: Okay. <laughs> hey, Will, can we put that under advisement? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing it down from right a scheduling right now. standpoint. Yeah. Please yeah. run paid
0: programming during that. Okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: like it. I like it. No, it'll be fun. Um, Paul's got uh, some guests, and I do as well. we'll talk to some of the. State representatives, state senators, some of the students that are part of the uh, Center for Manufacturing Excellence, and um, I think Keith Carter is going to stop by and join us at uh, at one point as well. So it'll be a mix of some serious stuff and some light stuff, and maybe
0: I'll dip my toe into the political waters. Hey, Dad, Paul's going to have uh, my cousin Mike Barquette on with him on Thursday at eight oh five.
3: That's your cousin.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. How many cousins do you have? A lot family do you not have a
3: lot no i don't i only have cousins on one side of the family actually
0: well i don't know what to tell you man you're missing out cousins are great if you like them yeah but yes mike barquette is uh is my cousin what does mike barquette do uh well he'll be uh he's the president of the mississippi construction education foundation there you go he used to be the principal uh i believe was he the principal or the baseball coach one of the two at St. Andrews, which is funny because that is St. Aloysius' sworn rival back in the day. <laughs> so. uh,
2: Jason says, I kind of think State beats U.K. tonight. The way they've been playing versus how Kentucky has been? Maybe. Here's another message. Book it. State gets the W outright tonight.
0: Put them on the board. Um,
2: Keith and Vaden. Hey, Dad. Heard you say that you don't like hot dogs because of what's in them. Well,
0: if you like cheese, don't Google cheese mites. (laughs) I love cheese, so I will not be Googling cheese mites. You don't like hot dogs? I don't like hot dogs. I said it. I just don't like them. It's okay to you just mean, sometimes be wrong, hey, Dad. Yeah, Give me a, a, a delicious grilled smoked sausage. That would be far By superior. the way, that
3: Cinnamon Toast Crunch donut was uh, pristine.
0: Was so, it good? Yes. It, it looked good. good. It looked good. It looked it good.
3: Uh, any so, donut that has cereal the heart attack on top, after it?
0: I'm, I'm down. I,
3: actually, I went to the zoo afterward, and I walked probably two to three miles. It, so it was actually uh, pretty good uh, fuel and energy. Hmm.
0: How was the barbecue? That was the better question. That was a big old sandwich. The barbecue was very good
3: enjoyed right. that i think the donut may have been better though
0: Ooh, all right
3: but like the guy was like but you see the ice cream coming out i was like yeah i'm a fan of it he's like all right you can have it so it sounded like if you didn't like the ice cream you couldn't have the donut
0: <laughs> i might have i might have had to lie in that situation but they didn't have you a have lucky uh, charms donut ready to go
3: you have they had, <laughs> they had a lucky charms donut and a fruity pebbles donut <laughs> oh, i could have
0: gotten them all man jeez yeah, then you would have just had the coronary, right? I'm a very manly man. I know I can handle my sweets. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough.
2: Um, you have fully embraced Top Golf.
0: Yeah, I went
3: twice now. I'm a regular. Uh, maybe I could get like a membership <laughs> card. Maybe I'll start bringing in my own sticks, start cleaning them there. You can't be that guy. Giving lessons. <laughs> Pearl River Resort <laughs>
2: bring, pick bring of the day. <laughs> pearl river resort pick of the day as we wrap things up brought to you by the Sportsbook at timeout lounge mississippi state on the road against the cats getting seven let's take those points and uh take it to the bank you like the sound of that hey dad i do i do like the sound of that there you go that's your pearl river resort pick of the day mississippi state getting the points on the road tonight at rup against the cats 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 enjoy your tuesday night We'll do it again tomorrow in about 21 hours. Three o'clock, Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.